welcome to the AOL podcast. Let's dive right into this week's message. It said, then Jacob departed from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he happened upon a particular place and spent the night there because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of the place and made it support made it a support for his head and lay down in that place. It's like he's at the Motel 6. And he had a dream, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. But behold, the angel of God were ascending and descending on it. Then behold, the Lord was standing above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your descendants shall be all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land and I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you (laughs) then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said the Lord is certainly in this place and I didn't even know it (laughs) he was afraid and said How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob got up early in the morning and took the stone that he had placed as a support for his head and set it up as a memorial stone and poured oil on its top. Then he named that place Bethel, but previously the name of the city had been Luz. Jacob also made a vow saying, if God will be with me, And will keep me on this journey that I take. And give me food to eat and garments to wear. And I return to my father's house in safety. Then the Lord will be my God. And this stone which I have set up as a memorial stone will be God's house. And of everything that you give me, I will assuredly, gladly give give a tent to you. And then in verse 1 it says, Then Jacob set out on his journey and went to the land of the people of the east and this is when it begins God's people God's place God we thank you for your word this morning I pray that God in the house of the Lord that we would hear in our spirits behold I am with you God today we open up our hearts to hear your word say I will keep you wherever you go Lord, I know that today you will tell us, I will bring you back to this land, your promise of preservation for us. Lord, I pray that today we would hear whatever we're going through. I pray, God, that we will leave here knowing this, that you will not leave us until you have done everything that you have promised to us. So, God, I pray that you encourage the people of God. Encourage them today. Build their faith. In you. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, 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 amen. Well, look at your neighbor. Tell him, I'm so glad you braved and came to church this morning. Come on. That's right. Praise the Lord. Well, who's happy to be in the house of the Lord today? All right. Well, very good. I, I, I'm happy to be here, too. We, we've, we've been in this series called The Choice is Yours. And uh, I'll, I'll get into this Genesis 28 and kind of break down what the Lord has showed me this week. But before I do, I just want to share my heart to you. And how many of y'all know the choice is ours? Yeah. Right? I love it that God gave us choice, and it's one of, the, one of the greatest blessings I believe the Lord gives us. I'm so thankful that a wife wasn't chose to me, but I chose one, and I chose the right one. And, uh, I, but I, I think about it, if you think, well, the choice is not really mine, well, you should ask Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. Right? I was thinking about it last night. We were at dinner. We were at Olive Garden. I don't know why eating breadsticks and... And marinara sauce makes me think about some things. But I thought about it. It was amazing. I was sitting with my witty son, Anson, this last summer. And we were watching Indiana Jones when he was picking the cup. And it was humorous to him and me when, you know, the guy chose the wrong one. And his face melts off. You know what I'm talking about? The people that are there. And, and he, he chooses the wrong one. He's like, ah. I got here before you, Indiana Jones, and he goes to one that thinks it's the most shiniest, and he drinks out of that, and his face like, ah, you know the scene from the 80s, and it's kind of cheesy, and the guy goes, he chose poorly, and Anson goes, you think? <laughs> I think so, but then, you know, Indiana Jones, he comes over there, and he goes, it would be the cup from a carpenter, and it would be, it, it would be, um, you know, just, just something plain, and remember, Indiana Jones drinks out of it, and he says, you have chosen wisely. If you don't believe me, you need to ask Neo in Matrix, right? And when Morpheus is explaining the Matrix before him and said, here's the red pill and the blue pill. You better choose the right pill. How many of y'all know there's just some things in life you better choose the right thing? I think about it at the end of Jesus' teaching and, and the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 through 7, but at the end of 7, he's given some closing remarks and he says this, he says in Matthew chapter 7, he says, wide is the road that leads to destruction, and narrow is the road that leads to life. If you don't believe me, you ought to ask Joshua in Joshua chapter four, 24 in closing remarks with him. He said, choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, come on, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How I many of y'all know you need to make a choice, the right choices in life? And if you were here the first week, we, we talked out of Matthew chapter 6, and Jesus is speaking there. He says, why are you worrying? It's not going to add one day to your life. I want you to look at the birds. I want you to look at the trees. If I was there for them, how many of you know I'll be there for you? And at the end of it, he says this, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. The first choice that we ought to make this year going into a new year is the choice to seek Ye first the kingdom of God. How many of y'all like things? Raise your hands if you like things. I like things. I like trinkets. I like all kinds of different stuff. But I know this. Every, all of those things that I have is because God gave them to me. And, 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 and I know that because seek ye first the kingdom of God. Give, um, 
The Bible tells us in Luke 6.38, give, and it'll be given back to you. This is red letter. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. So I know this, that if the for- forefront of my mind, the forefront of my spirit, the forefront of my heart, the forefront of being a dad, a husband, if I seek ye first the kingdom of God, there's things that'll be ironed out in my life. Because he gives us wisdom. How many of y'all know he gives us supernatural guidance and direction and understanding? And last week, if you were here, we had a special guest with us, Pastor Buck. Come on, give Pastor Buck a hand. Didn't he do a great job? Wise young man. But what did he tell us? He said, talking about the choice is yours. He said, change happens when change happens. How many of y'all know, if you, if you want change to happen in your life, you can't do the same thing over and over. That's insanity. When you do the same thing over and over, expecting different results, but sometimes you just got to change a little degree to the left or to the right, and just little things in your life, like seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Change happens, though, when change happens. And today, I want to talk about something that this, I'm excited to talk about this because I just, in my mind, I went down uh, the history of my life and looking inside the cabinet, inside my office there, of some old stuff from, I grew up in a Christian school, Christian education, and so my high school teacher, Mrs. Powers, we had these three-wing notebooks, and just looking through there and some old pictures of my youth group, today I want to talk about choosing the church as a priority in your life. We live in today a time where church is not a priority in people's life. I promise you today, there is people that would get up and go duck hunt, but they won't come to church because it's too cold. And I, 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 I'm telling you, we have gotten soft as a society. You know why? Because the church has gotten soft. In fact, it grieves me that Buffalo has moved their game to, to Monday. What a bunch of weenies. I mean, come on, back in the 60s, Green Bay, when the wind's blowing 400 miles an hour, and then people up there with their shirt off, that's a true football fan. Come on, <laughs> right? But, but it just, it grieves me in the society of where we're at. But one of the most influential forces in my life has been the church. The church is what's helped me choose to fall in love with the Word of God. The church is where I found Brandy. Come on. Praise the Lord. How many of y'all single out there? All right. All right. Y'all be looking around, looking for other people right now. All right. The church is a good place to find one. Not the Midnight Rodeo. Actually, that's the Loft Church now. All right. Praise the Lord. All right. It's not the Piranha Room anymore. It's the presence of God. All right. (laughs) Moving right along. (laughs) Graham Central Station that's no longer here. Praise the Lord. I've never been there. But, uh... I, I chose the calling that I'm in today because of a summer camp that a church had. The calling that I'm in today, I found my purpose because of being in the church. You know, I love scriptures like Psalm 92 and verse 13. It says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of God. Don't you love that scripture? I love scriptures like Psalm 122. You've heard me say it before. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I love Matthew 16 and verse 18. Jesus said this, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What I love about this particular text is in Caesarea Philippi. This is, there was a pit down in there. In fact, the story where, where uh, the, young, the young man comes with his boy to the disciples and he can't cast out this deaf and dumb spirit. And he said, 
He said, you faithless and perverse generation. Only this kind comes out by prayer and fasting. It was at Caesarea Philippi. This, the, the, the old King James says he was a lunatic. He was crazy. This is a place where, you know, in, in today's terminology, people were like eating bath salts and hooked on heroin and drugs and alcohol. And they were doing all kinds of weird, goofy, woke stuff. And it was at that place that Jesus said, I will build my church. How many of y'all know we have a room here? The Bible tells us, forsake not the assembly of saints together, especially when you see the day approaching. Another translation says, forsake not the gathering of saints. You know what I love about that? I've gathered cattle before, and I've had some that were wild as buck deer inside there where you had to go off and rope them. You know, there's a room here right now of, of some strays. Aren't you thankful that God called you when you were stray and strung out and messed up and all in the world? And God said, we need him. Thank God for the church. Come on, thank God for the church of the living God. I love it. And so I, 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 I was thinking about it. You know, I only have an experience in three churches. The, first, the church I grew up in was at Ninth and Alta Vista. Now it's called Freedom Baptist Church, but that's where Victory Church was. I grew up, went to school there. In 1996, we moved to uh, Longmont, Colorado as part of uh, New Creation World Outreach Church. And then from here, moved back here, went to Victory for a time. And then I saw a pretty girl over here at the Cowboy Church. And uh, I, that's not how it went, kind of. But anyways, came over here, started playing. But I, I, I think about all three churches, and all three churches have so many things messed up with them. Right? Hi, I'm calling us out, too. How many of y'all know we have imperfect people, but we have a perfect God? And, and, and there's some things that are messed up. It, none of them are perfect, but I love it that every, every one of them always had an atmosphere of faith. They always had an atmosphere where I left and, and thank God that I was there. And I was thinking about the memories. John, I was thinking about old school church this week. Like I, I said it in Wednesday night. I remember you, you couldn't have church unless you had like 947 plants on the stage. I was thinking about like when uh, in the 80s where, you know, big hair, big heels, long dresses, suit and tie. Y'all, I grew up wearing a suit and tie. In Sunday mornings, uh, because I was in children's church, you still look nice. But Sunday night when you sat with your mom and dad, suit and tie, baby. And I may have only had one and my mom wore that sucker out, but we wore it. <laughs> right? All of us wore a suit and tie. And you know what? I, I was thinking about that. I, I was thinking about the songs and how it's changed over the years. Like, I stand, I stand in all of you. What is that, Bob Fitz? Don Moen. I was thinking about Dallas Home. All these great songs. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. Sound the alarm like holy mountain. All right. Old school songs. And then got into the 90s, Darlene Sheck. Uh, shout to the Lord all and this was still when there was like a bunch of singers with cords the foam tops and they were moving with their big hair like this come on back and forth but I, I, I was thinking about how much relaxed we've got I'm not saying we should get back to a suit and tie but I'll tell you in that time you revered the house of God because you were dressed to the nines and you honored the house of God. And I'm not saying we get back to that, but I will say this. I sit on a board of life challenge with a 
a lot of men that I honor and respect, and uh, all these guys are lawyers, and uh, or a lot of them are, and they're high society guys, and they come into this meeting. I come in smelling like smoke, like a horse's foot. And they come in, and uh, this last time it was super cold. Garland Sale, who is a lawyer here in town, I said, Garland, you dressed down today. And I said, I have to ask, every time I'm with you guys, you guys are dressed so sharp. How do you dress for church? He said, actually, I even up it a notch because why would I go to the house of God? Because God has done more for me than any person that I've ever worked for. I'm telling you, we've just gone, gone so slack. I, I, I remember growing up in the house of God like you did not go to the bathroom, Anson. In fact, if you came in late, Grammy would look over at me like you were going to die after this service. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like we revered the sanctuary. You didn't go to the bathroom. I'm, I mean, it's, it's sad to me during, during, during an altar call, people's like, I got to go. You, you can't give God one hour and 15 minutes. You can, you, can, you can ride on an airplane, but people can't sit through a church service for one hour and 15 minutes without getting and wandering all over the place. We don't, we don't honor the house of God is what I'm saying. It's sad to me. I, I, I think about all the great memories. Like I've been in the church uh, long enough to know that the spirit of discernment is really not a spirit of discernment. It's I don't like these people and the Lord has put a discernment on the inside of me that you shouldn't like them either. I'm just speaking out loud. I, I, I've been in, I, I, I love it. I wouldn't change one single solitary thing about being in the house of God. Becoming a youth pastor, I was thinking about, uh, we'd put all the kids when we were at Wimberley, Texas, put them in bed at midnight, but I would go to all the senior boys and said, at two o'clock, you meet me down at the Blanco River and we're going to do things that are illegal, but have a big time. <laughs> Come on. No broken bones. I said, if we are, we'll just have a healing service afterwards. But I think about it. Don't you love the house of God? I love, 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 love the house of God. Even though it's changed over the years, I, I, I'll say this, but I, I, just, I just love it. And reading through the word of God, I see that God loves the church as well. I'm thinking about the history of the church. I'll just give you a quick history, and then I really want to get into Genesis chapter 20, 28. But I want to tell you this, God has always had a people and God has always had a place. I'm going to say that again. God has always had a people and God has always had a place. Can I tell you in 2024, God still has a people and God still has a place. I'm going to say it again. In 2024, God still has a people and God still has a place. He still has a people and he still has a place. And you go through the Old Testament, you see this of how, you know, uh, Isaac has Jacob and Esau and the deception that's there, but God is with Jacob, and we see this in 28, but it goes on that he has two wives, Leah and Rachel, and he begins to build this kingdom of all these boys, these 12 boys, and he wrestles with God, and he changes his name to Israel, and God, that's God's people is Israel, and, and throughout through the book of Deuteronomy, we see this, that it's the place where they have the tabernacle where, where they would gather around the presence of God. And one time a year at Yom Kippur, they would go in, even into the Holy of Holies, the priests would go in and, and make a sacrifice to God and repent of all the things that they had said and done. And you move on to David, where David is sitting in his house where it's warm and it's cozy and this great big palace that's full of gold. And he looks out and God begins to move in his heart and says, why is he in a tent when I'm in this great place? 
Let's build him something. And God said, I won't let you build it because you've shed innocent blood. He said, well, if I can't build it, then I will pull the money together to do it. So his son Solomon, now we have Solomon's temple. And then there was synagogues in different places where three or four times a year they would go up to the temple. Because God's always had a people and God's always had a place. And then we fast forward to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 16. The first time we ever heard the word ecclesia, which is church, Jesus used it. And he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he tells his disciples a commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptize them, make them disciples. So in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 1, the disciples are ready to go out, build the church. And he says, wait, before you do it, I've got to give you some help because you can't do it in your own power. You need the strength and power and presence of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And so in Acts chapter 2, this is where the church is built. And then they go out and the Bible says they traded together. They lived lives together. They fellowshiped together. They laid hands on the sick and saw them recover. They say blind eyes see, deaf ears hear. They saw lame people walk. Come on, the mute speak. They say all of these things. And then we fast forward and we get to a man named the Apostle, uh, the Apostle Paul. And, and he starts writing to these churches. He's like the advocate. He is... Uh, he, he is writing the theology, the belief, the, the nominations of who they are. And 66 times through the epistles that he writes, he talks to the church. And one of the ones that points out to me is Ephesians chapter 5. He says, the church is the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. We're still in the church age today. Because according to Revelation, there's chapter 2 and chapter 3 before it gets into the tribulation. We're living in the church age and five got, or five got it wrong, but two got it right. And we've got to pay attention to that. But I believe the church is the biblical strategy for advancing the gospel message. How many of y'all know we are the church, but we need to be in a good church? We are the church, and we need to be in a good one. But I believe the church is a biblical strategy for advancing. There's three different things that I wrote down. The number one is this, advancing the gospel message. Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. How many of y'all know there is power in today's world that we serve a God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life? There is, there is saving power. There is power in the gospel message. Oh, how many of y'all believe that? Amen. Especially when we live in a time where nobody forgives anybody. But Jesus said, bless the Lord. God said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, who forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. That's the gospel. Number two is this. The church is the biblical strategy for redeeming the heart of man. How many of y'all know we need our hearts fixed. I'm going to say it again. How many of y'all know we need our hearts fixed? Mine does. It's dirty, rotten, messed up. Sometimes I think the wrong things and say the wrong things, but I'm thankful that I can come into his presence and feel the redemptive power of God. Also, too, I believe the church is a biblical strategy for transforming society. Because we go, come in here, get filled up, and go out there and make a difference. How many of y'all know God's called the church to make a difference? I wrote this down too. Why do we gather? That's the question. Number one is to worship. Can I tell you? 
The worship is not the warm-up for the message. In fact, if you ever get at a place where you just come to get church, you're still at some childlike faith. You're still at, you're still at baby syndrome, goo-goo-ga-ga stage. But when you come to the house of God to give, that's when it really begins to switch. Worship is not just them to entertain us. This is a time for us to give back to God. Amen? We're, how many of y'all know he's worthy of our praise? He's worthy of our praise. The number two thing is this, is fellowship. Connection. I, I read to the book of Acts and I see this, that there was fellowship one with one another. What I love about the church is sometimes we think we're so isolated. I'm the only one who's gone through what I've gone through. But I promise you, you are sitting in a row that may have gone through something worse than you. But God spared them and still has them on this earth for a purpose and a plan. Number three is this, instruction and training of God's word. How many of y'all know the word of God is our authority? And I love it. How many times, even growing up in youth, isn't it amazing how God uses the Holy Spirit to give you a due word in due season for such a time as this? Like, I needed that today. Encourage me. Ready to charge hell with a squirt gun. Hey, we got some new hoodies. You ought to get one. Zipper hoodies. Be our spokesperson. On the back, it says, charge hell with a squirt gun. Come on. All right. Here's the fourth one. So number one, worship. Number two, fellowship. Number three, instruction and training of God's word. Number four is this, empowered to evangelize. We go from here. I love it that we go and feed the homeless. Uh, Cody was showing me pictures and videos, Lawrence. Man, you're in your vein doing the purpose of God. He's such a great spokesperson for this house, but but only for this house, but for the Lord. Of sharing the gospel with those people. I, I, I love it. We're in, we, so we're, we gather to worship. We gather to fellowship. We gather for the instruction and training of God's word. The fourth one is this. We're empowered to evangelize. And I believe this. God's called me for such a time as this to be an advocate for the church. And I know. Can I tell you? I know the church has missed it. You can't serve man. You have to serve God. Can I tell you, my youth pastor that I just absolutely love from the 6th grade all the way to the 12th grade? Absolutely. I, I mean, I, literally, I've been all over the world with him. All over the world. Europe. I mean, all kinds of places. It grieves my heart to even tell you this guy who just taught me, and I mean, like, we died on the same sword together, was in, uh, on a worship team and just taught the word week in and week out. My youth group, Planet Youth, we had a great big youth group, 150, 200 kids every single Wednesday night. We evangelized, did all kinds of different things, left his wife, his kids, and now is living a homosexual lifestyle for the last 10 years. Left the word, hates God, hates all kinds. I mean, just, I hate it. But you know what? I'm thankful that I didn't serve Rex Brand. I served God. Can I tell you, pastors, people, ministries, people will fail you. But you know who never leaves you and never forsake you? It's the King of kings and it's the Lord of lords. Are you guys awake this morning? Like, I know the church has fumbled the ball. I know that it was silent at times, that it needed to be the loudest. But even though I have all of these things that I, I don't like about it, I know this, that it's still, when I read through the word of God, it's still God's idea. 
The church is still God's idea. And, and as we see in Genesis 28, I'm going to kind of gear towards that. This is a wake-up call to Jacob. Just like it was to Jacob, I believe this is a wake-up call. There's people that may be watching online today. This is a wake-up call. Those that listen on the podcast or however you hear this message, this is a wake-up call for us in 2024, a time when we have, you know, people are saying, I love Jesus, but I don't, I don't need the church. Can I tell you this? If you love Jesus, you will love the church because you can't separate the bride and the groom. What God put together, let no man separate. Come on, he's using that as an analogy for a reason. Pastor, you're in a bad mood. No, I'm not. I'm just being real with you. Today, I'm going to go watch the Cowboys beat the Packers. Praise the Lord. I'm going to be in a good mood after that too. But can I just be real with you? I, I know there... I know there are people that have been hurt. I know there are people that have been messed up by the church. But I'm telling you, you can't give up on what God put together. And some have come so casual with it. Well, if we make it, we make it. If we don't, we don't. Can I tell you, even if I wasn't the pastor, me and Pastor Brandy have talked about this. Even if I wasn't the pastor, I would, I would make our schedule around being in the house of God on a Sunday morning. Like, this is where we be. This is where we will be. And I'm so thankful. You know, my mom and dad weren't raised in the house of God. They weren't raised as believers. But you know what? My mom and dad, they got saved, and they set a precedent, and they, made, they showed me a love for the house of God. And now I'm going to show my kids a love for the house of God. And this is where we're going to be. And the blessing that's became on him is going to come on me, and then it's going to go down to him. And I'm telling you... I. I know it's, we've become so casual. We've got so busy. We got, I mean, literally, there is something you could be doing this morning. Well, maybe not. It's pretty cold. <laughs> but there's games. There's all kinds of different stuff. It, you know, it's even amazing me when I first started shoeing horses. Uh, there wasn't, hard, like, Easter, there was nothing. Now you can go to a roping on Easter. How terrible is that? You can, there's softball games on Easter. They have all kinds of different stuff. I mean, why are we at the place that we're at, like right now, where New York is opening their schools to let illegal immigrants in it and kicking their own kids out of the school? How many of y'all know that's a messed up society? I'm telling you, we're messed up because the church has been messed up and we've made it casual. Can I just be real with you guys this morning? Survey said in 2019 that the average believer that said that they've given their life to the Lord go, go to church 12 times a year. The game changed in 2021 after COVID. Now they go five times a year. Isn't that sad? There's people that call this place. I run into them at the mall. They're like, pastor. I'm like, I am not your pastor. You've been three times this year. How can I speak into your life? And there's other people like, I'm not getting anything out of the church. Well, they show up late. They go to the bathroom six times and leave before the altar call's over. What makes you think you're going to get anything anyway? Come on. Come on. Can I keep it real this morning? Amen. All right. Before I get, go any further with that, <laughs> let's go to Genesis chapter 28. Let's open our word together. And I just want to break this down because I believe, I believe there's something in the text today that's going to encourage us and build our faith. 
If you know the backstory, those of you that are reading the, the Bible in a year, you, you've already read what has happened. The, the tale of the lying, conniving, cheating, no good, counterfeit Jacob. Grabbing onto his heel, coming out of the birth, and then selling him a bowl of beans for the birthright. And then, and then his mama even gets involved in it. And she says, all right, go get the blessing from, from your dad. And his brother Esau said, if I ever see you again, I will kill you. I will kill, kill, kill you. So he's running. He's scared. He's messed up. But in verse 10, it says, then Jacob departed from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So knowing Esau is planning to kill him, Jacob runs for his life. But I also want to go ahead and fast forward. You know, in verse 17, he has revelation of this. That where he's at in this story, he's in the house of God. So back up now to verse 10. If you're running from anything, you're in the right place today. Are you guys awake this morning? Verse 11. It says, and he happened upon a particular place and spent the night there because the sun had set and he took one of the stones of the place and made it support for his head and lay down in that place. If it's true that a clear conscience makes a soft pillow, it's appropriate that Jacob slept on a pillow of rocks. Because how many of y'all know there's times when you're going through some things that's just heavy on you, and you, even though you have a soft pillow, it's like you're sleeping on something hard, and it's hard for you to really get sleep. But my prayer to you today is that you experience freedom and as you lay your head on your pillow tonight that your sleep would be sweet. It says in verse 12, and he had a dream. Remember, he said the Lord is in this place. This is the house of God. Verse 12, and he had a dream. What I love about this is God is about to appear to Jacob in the most remarkable manner. And it's not when Jacob was trying to be a good guy, but when he was running away. How many of y'all thankful for the grace of God? And it says, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. John chapter 1 and verse 51, Jesus, this is what he says. This is red letter. Verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter ye shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So in this account and the comments Jesus made in John 1, he refers back to this story in Genesis 28. And the order is that the angels ascend to heaven and come back down, which means that angels hang out here on this earth. The reason I say that is because we tend to think of angels as being only in heaven. But I'm here to tell you this morning, angels hang out on earth as ministering spirits. And we see it in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 14. How many of y'all know the Bible says he keep his angels charge over you and keep you in all your ways? I mean, thank you for the guidance of an angel saying, nope, that's the wrong way. Let's go back over here. In fact, it was so evident in them of this particular text in Acts chapter 12 when they're all in Mary's house and they're praying for Peter to get out of prison and Rhoda Rhoda goes to the door and she comes back. They all thought that it was Peter's angel and not really him. Later on, Paul would say this in 1 Corinthians 11.10, when spiritual gifts are being exercised and prophecy is being spoken, keep in mind, women, 
that the angels are present. So make sure you don't present yourself in a way that is out of order. The reason that I'm even saying this, because I believe there's angels in the room this morning. Angels are extremely sensitive about people being out of order, about people not living in submission. And and the reason I believe why is because one-third of their company was kicked out of heaven when they moved out from under the authority of God and linked themselves to Lucifer. The angels are also extremely concerned about the issue of submission because they saw what happened in the Garden of Eden when Eve was left uncovered by her husband and put in a position of vulnerability. But I'm here to tell you this morning, I truly believe there are angels in this room because Peter said this in 1 Peter 1.12, when you talk about the things of salvation, the angels are diligent to look unto those things. So now we get to verse 13. It says, then behold, the Lord was standing above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie. And I will give to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth. And you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Then verse 15. Behold, I am with you. And I will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then he says, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, the Lord certainly is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. There's four promises that I see in verse 15. Four promises Jacob got being in the house of God. Are you ready? Being in the house of God. Now, I'm going to tell you, every week you need this. The first promise that he gets, the first thing God promised Jacob was his presence. Behold, I am with you. How many of y'all know Psalm 1611 says, in God's presence is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. When you're lonely, his presence brings companionship. When you're worried, his presence brings confidence. When you're tempted, his presence brings counsel. When you're discouraged, his presence brings comfort. You know what I love about coming to the house of God is being in the presence of God. Come on, I'm going to say it again. What I love about being in the house of God is being in the presence of God. You know the other promise, I believe this, I wrote these over here on the side of my Bible as I read this this week. He said, I'm with you. That's my presence. That's the promise of my presence that he got in the house of God. Also in the house of God, he said, and will keep you wherever you go. Meaning this, when he got in the house of God, He reminded him of his promise of protection. How many of y'all, there was just times when you're getting in an atmosphere of faith that you leave here 10 foot tall and bulletproof, right? That I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That he will keep his angels charge around me to keep me in all my ways. That's why it's so important that we have our children in the house of God that they get reminded of protection. That man, come on, I don't... The reason I can charge hell with a squirt gun because it's not what I have on my outside, all these things. It's greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Right? The third thing, he said, I'll keep you wherever you go. And, the, and then the third thing, I will bring you back into this land. He, he was reminded of the, the promise of being preserved. They all have to be peas. I'm a preacher. 
Presence, protection, the third one. Bring you back to this land of preserve. How many of y'all know we need to be reminded sometimes that he's taken us out of the wilderness and he's put us in a place of a land flowing with milk and honey? Then the last one, he says, I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. The fourth one is this. When he got in the house of God, he was not only reminded of the promise of, of his presence, the promise of his protection, the promise of being preserved. The last one, he was reminded of the promise that he would keep his promise. I will not leave you until I have done what I've promised you. That you'll live long on the earth. That I am for you and not against you. That I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's why it's so important. And can I tell you, you, uh, uh, you need at least a reminder of that one time a week. Now, will I tell you, you've got to do it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday? Yes, but can I tell you, you need something to just refuel you and remind you of the promises of God that give you. As I come to a close, there's one more thing about this particular text about the church that I see right here. And after he's converted, after he was reminded of all these promises, there's three things that he does when he leaves here. But he wouldn't have it unless he was in the house of God. It says, so Jacob got up early in the morning and took the stone that he had placed as a support for his head and set it up as a memorial stone and poured oil on its top. You know what he did? The conversion that happened after he saw the promises of God in the house of God, the first thing that he did was he worshiped. He said, God, you gave me this, and through this, now I'm able to see clearly. He gave him his worship. What would it be like if we left here and we just gave God our worship and everything? If we were driving down the road, God, I thank you for the opportunity, opportunity to have breath inside my lungs. Come on, to have a car that runs, to have a house that has heat today. Come on, how many of y'all know we need to come to a place of worship where we just give to God and say, God, you are worthy of my praise. You deserve the glory and the honor and the power forever. Everything that I have is because of you. You know why he did it? Because he had been in the house of God. It reminded him of all those promises and said, I can't just go away empty-handed. I've got to leave here being a worshiper. I've got to leave here changed. Then it says, then he named the place Bethel. Oh, there's so much to this story that I could preach about, but I'm not going to. But previously, the name of the city had been Luz. Jacob also made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me on this journey that I take and give me food to eat and garments to wear and I return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone, which I have set up as a memorial stone, will be God's house. It's the last part or second part that I see what he did. And of everything that you give me, I assuredly will give a tenth to you. The second thing, the first one, Because of the promise of being in the house of God, he walked away with worship, number two, in his work. He said, of everything that you give me, I will assuredly give a tenth to you in my work. The Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 3, 
I got a new Bible, so it may take me some time to get there. I don't even have it highlighted either, this new one. Colossians 3. 23. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord and not for people, knowing that it is from the Lord that you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. How many of y'all know in everything we put our hand to, we should do it as we're doing it for the Lord? The third thing that I wrote down was this. It goes to verse 1. How many of y'all know? Think about this. If he hadn't have gone to the house of God, he wouldn't have had the courage to keep on walking to meet his wives and start a family. That sounds like the Jerry Springer show, his wives. <laughs> Let's just be real. His wives, Leah and Rachel, his mother's brother, Laban, worked for him. I promise you, how many of y'all know, those of you that's been through depression and places of loneliness and despair, thinking about your circumstances, thinking about everything that's going on in your life. But the third one, it says in verse 1, then Jacob set out on his journey. Another translation said he began to walk. So that's what I want to leave you with today. He began to walk. When we leave here, we need to be a place this needs to be a place, the house of God needs to be a place that we're reminded of the promise of his presence, his protection, how he preserves us, how he promises us all these promises. And then we leave here changed from the house of God and we go out into a world and we forget not to worship him in our work and everything we do. And the third thing is this, we begin to walk it out. Walk it out. Everybody say walk it out. Come on, it's step by step that he's with me. I'm not doing it alone. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I say, God, I'm not coming against you. What I'm inviting you to do is to come on the inside of me and walk beside me to, to, my, my, to my left and to my right and go with me wherever I go and whatever I do. That you will give me the courage to fight the good fight of faith. But what I love about it, it's in verse 16. He said, the Lord is certainly in this place, and I didn't know it. And I want to tell you this morning, God is here. God is here. That's what I love about the church. God is here. You may have not known it. And I think about, why wouldn't Jacob know this? You know why he wouldn't know it? Because of what all that he was going through. He knew he was nothing but a lion cheat hiding, hiding out in a seemingly God-forsaken rocky region. And that's what I wanted to leave you with today. That you may be, that may be your story. You may feel like you're stuck in a rocky situation, in a rocky business, in rocky finances, in a rocky marriage. And maybe it's just a rocky road that's ahead of you. But you came to the right place because God would say to you this morning, I'm with you in this place. Even though you may not know it, Right now, there are angels that are ascending. You may not see it, but if you close your eyes by the Spirit of God, there is a ladder that is connected to the very presence of God that are ascending and descending, giving us wisdom, giving us counsel, giving us direction. And can I tell you, this is a place, surely the Lord 
is in this place. Well, we want to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We pray that you heard from God and that this message was for you. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps us reach more people with this message. Arena of Life takes pride in connecting to God, to church, and to people. And we want to connect with you. So don't forget to check us out on all social media platforms, to check out our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and to download the Church Center app and to choose Arena of Life as your church. And a special thanks to those who make a difference by giving generously. You help us change lives and produce weekly content like this that reaches the world. If you're interested in partnering with us, you can give by clicking the link in our bio through the website arenaoflifechurch.org or through the Church Center app. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.